Welcome to episode six of Notes from the North. This is our second off-season podcast. Today we had a guest, uh, Casey. We recorded this on Friday. Casey is from Weekly Spiral, so we'll throw it over to the interview now. Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. We'd like to welcome a new guest to the show, uh, Casey. Casey's from Weekly Spiral and Casey, yeah, why don't you tell our listeners a little about yourself and, and who you are and what you're working on? Yeah, sure. I've uh, been coaching high school football for six years now, or this would have been my, my sixth season, uh, working on the offensive side of the ball, um, coaching quarterbacks and the offensive coordinator over in uh, Tamil Pius in, in California, across the bay from, from San Francisco. And uh, so sort of some West Coast influences. I see Kyle Shanahan a lot. I see Sean McVay a lot and, and have implemented that kind of stuff in my offense. But my specialty is really is receivers and quarterbacks. And Weekly Spiral is sort of doing a little bit more in-depth breakdowns on, on scheme that's going on in the NFL and using video content to, to illustrate that on the YouTube page um, and uh, doing some written breakdowns using GIFs and diagrams. And so it's, it's easier for people to, to approach the X's and O's and, and understand sort of what's going on, the big trends, who's doing well, why they're doing well. Is this quarterback's mechanics struggling like Carson once was early in the year, has had some issues. And uh, so if you, you want to check out some, some trends that are going on in the NFL, how players are performing, why they're doing well, why they're doing poorly, that's, that's sort of what we do at, at the Weekly Spiral, weeklyspiral.com. Really neat. So what, like, how long have you been going with your site and what kind of, um, you know, feedback have you gotten? Uh, give us a little bit of that history for weeklyspiral.com. Sure. It's relatively new. So about a year it's been up uh, and the the video content has been even more recent than that, probably the last uh, nine months or so for, for this football season and going into last summer. And uh, a lot of, pot of positive response and, and, and uh, encouraging stuff as far as like, oh, this is, you know, illustrated in a way that I hadn't necessarily seen before. It's, it's for me, at least when I'm learning, it's, it's a lot easier for me to visualize, see the film and hear someone talk about it than just see the diagram on the, on the whiteboard and not understand like, oh, this guy is, you know, aligned in a one technique, but I don't necessarily visualize that as well as when I... Uh, I'm seeing the film and seeing how he's attacking that center or his, his shading and, and how his body is aligned and how he's reacting to, to what the lineman is doing. Seeing it written out is, is great and useful. And, and there's a lot of books that write it out and I've, I've read a lot of them and they can be a little bit dry and, and difficult for me to visualize. So seeing that film for me is the most helpful and seeing it live and seeing it happen. So I figured I would try to bring that to people and offer that so that they can sort of, they can see it and, and understand at a deeper level so that you can then translate it when you're watching football now and live, you can say, Oh, this guy is aligned on a one technique. That means X, Y, Z for the offense. They need to run away or run to that, or they need to double team them or whatever. I saw the video or the diagram that, you know, this is why the team is doing that. So on. that's really neat. Yeah, that's really neat. And it seems like there's, I mean, football, I think can, especially maybe if you didn't play, it's, it can be an intimidating sport in that it has like its own distinct vocabulary and um, like it's just such a technical, uh, sometimes complex sport. So I think that like having sites that can, like you say, break it down and not just break it down in some sort of dry, you know, kind of way, but show you kind of really what's going on and not just, but like show you the NFL and that kind of thing. It's really, really neat. Uh, so, I mean, you're, this is yourself and then you have uh, a team, you have other writers that contribute to this as well. Yeah, we have a couple other writers, and uh, one of them I went to uh, graduate school with, getting my master's in sport management, and he he sort of specializes in the draft and does some draft breakdowns, and and is is a big college football guy, and so he's helped me learn a lot, and I've gotten more into college football so that I can talk with him and and keep tabs on all the prospects and and stuff. I've slowly gotten more and more into to college football, but this year I've sort of taken more note and 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 watched what games were available early on. And then as, as the, the conferences and the league started to boot up the big 12 and Pac 12 a little bit. And, and all those, those games started, started going, started paying more attention to, to those guys. And I think this is a very unique year to evaluate 
guys because people are opting out. They're they're playing different levels of competition. Um, so it's it's I would not want to be a GM this year, especially if I'm a new GM trying to evaluate guys that uh, you know maybe haven't played for a year or uh, whatever it may be, or maybe their quarterback opted out or didn't play or you know, all sorts of things are, are going on. There's not going to be a combine. So you got to rely on pro days. It's, it's kind of a mess, but uh, you know, if you're a good GM and you have good, a good scouting department, this is where you can sort of separate yourself for the next couple of years, I think. Right. That's a good point. And I mean, I will say just, well, I mean, we'll say this at the end as well, but for folks who are listening, definitely hop over weekly spiral. It is a really neat site and there's a lot to be learned over there. So by all means, uh, especially if you want to understand the game a little bit better, uh, it's it's worth your time. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I was curious if there's like a real passion that you have a real like area. Like you're saying you're you're getting into the college football ranks. I know you say that you focus on the the receivers and the quarterback end of of stuff in terms of your coaching. But yeah, just curious if there's anything that you would say is a real passion for you in terms of talking football, watching football. Uh, what's your what's your lens as you watch and and digest yeah i want to i want to throw that ball man i want i want to see those big plays i want to see the explosive plays i want to you know see the catches and the the yards after the catch and and uh, you know the last couple years especially i've gotten more and more into the run scheme and uh, setting things up off of play action and being more diverse and with motions and, and shifts and and formations to create angles and and ideal blocking situations for your linemen to open things up. And there's, there's some really simple ways that you can do within the structure of, you know, really any offense, like every offense has a a jet motion or a cross motion or a shift or whatever. And, and seeing coaches that do that to, to open things up for, for their players is, is really interesting to me. And then how they sort of build and stack those plays to build to, you know, a passing concept or, uh, you know, a, a misdirection that, that, breaks your tendency and, and um, attacks the defense and how they're reacting. That's that, that sort of chess match within the game is, is really interesting for me to see. And it's sometimes it's very hard to see live and you got to go back and look at the film and, and see how, how people are reacting. But when, when it clicks and you see it, it's, it's really cool for, for me to see. Very cool. Very cool. Cool. Well, we'll, we'll transition into our second down here and, and as you're talking about seeing quarterbacks throw the ball, like we want to talk about Kirk Cousins and, and that. And so I know Kyle prepped you a little bit in terms of talking about him. And, and I guess for us, the biggest question or one of the, the overarching questions is as you kind of digested and seen the Vikings, uh, what's your opinion on, on Kirk Cousins uh, as a QB? Yeah, I, you know, I know he's a, a bit of a divisive guy to uh, the NFL as a whole and probably a lot of Vikings fans as well. Yeah. Uh, as a pure thrower, I think he's very, very good. Like, he, yeah. he's incredibly accurate. Um, he, he's dealt with a pretty bad offensive line for a number of, of years, especially on the interior. Um, and, you know, that being considered, like, the, the Vikings are still a very proficient offense. They're eighth best by DVOA, sixth in rushing, 11th in passing. And to be able to mask the problems up front, uh, I think, is an admirable thing. Like, not a lot of quarterbacks are going to be able to do that. You don't think of Kirk Cousins as being the super mobile athletic guy like a Russell Wilson that can sort of make up for a bad offensive line. But Cousins is doing that. And he, he can mani- manipulate the pocket pretty well. He can move. He's not going to take off and get chunks of yardage but uh he can make those subtle moves sort of like a tom brady or or the more statuesque guys where he understands where the rush is coming and he can sort of slide and move up and and keep his eyes downfield so i was was impressed with that i think mechanically his base is pretty solid he has some uh disfluencies and issues uh, sort of in his drop but they don't affect his accuracy a ton i think where people can start having issues with him is some of his decision-making and what stood out to me is that there's not a lot of anticipation throws for him and it's okay to be a see it throw guy especially when you have an arm like Kirk Cousins and you can you know oh he's open I can get it there right now I can get it there on on the spot and hit him right in the face and he can run afterwards that's fantastic but 
I think the lack of anticipation throws sort of put puts a ceiling on your capabilities as a quarterback. It doesn't mean you can't win with them, but you're talking about like throwing an out route with, with anticipation when, you know, you see that the coverage is not there. They're not going to be able to cover it. Um, You've turned the corner's hips and you throw it before the receiver has broken or towards the middle of the field. If they're running a dig towards the interior, hard in uh, that same sort of concept, there's no underneath defender. The safety is occupied by a deep post, whatever I, I can throw it right now because he's beaten his guy. He's gotten inside the leverage. And I, I didn't see a ton of those, those throws. He threw a couple to Thielen and, and maybe it's just, you know, he's working with Justin Jefferson, the rookie, and there's, there's not a whole lot behind those two guys. Um, and it may develop. I, it may shift now as, as the Vikings are going to have a new offensive coordinator with, with Kubiak retiring and, uh, that may change things, but uh, that's my my first initial impression on sort of what he brings to the table. I'm, I'm curious what what your guys' opinion on him is because I'm sure even in the fan base, there's guys that are you know Kirk Cousins stands and like he's the guy and he's going to get it done, and there's guys like man he he ain't it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, uh, go ahead, Sam. I was just going to say uh, you just described exactly what I think, but like not able like not able to process like that was. That was so well done. Like I see everything that you're saying. It's like, yes, that's, that's it. That's, that's where it is. Um, but just articulated in a way better way than I was able to. So that's, that's fascinating. But, but Kyle's, Kyle's a super fan. So I'm intrigued to hear, I know I've heard his points on, <laughs> on, on cousins before, but yeah, what, what he would say in response to that. Yeah. I think like, I, I agree with what Casey's saying. The, the issue with cousins has never been physical talent or lack mm-hmm. thereof. Right, like he's I, like I, I hear what you're saying in terms of uh, like Russell Wilson, or like he's not Lamar Jackson. That's certainly true, but he's he's got some sneaky athleticism, and he I think has done better this year in just like that Brady wiggle in the pocket of just like the subtle shifts and movements to try and you know just give yourself an extra half moment. And like you're saying, you know that his arm talent is actually really good. I mean, he isn't Patrick Mahomes, but who is right. And right. he's actually, I think like pretty, he had some notable misses like the Atlanta game. He was extremely inaccurate Indianapolis in week two. He was very inaccurate, but for the most part, like he will pick you apart if he is given the opportunity. But I think what you're saying, Casey, where I agree with you is that they're just always, not always often there seems to be a bit of a lack of an it factor which is, mm-hmm. or maybe how I would describe it. I mean, what you're saying in terms of throwing with anticipation. And uh, so the question I have for you then, if I can, and this might be an impossible question to answer, but is this something, because this, to me, it feels more like a mental issue rather than a physical issue. Like it isn't an issue with the strength of his arm or his ability to place the ball. Um, but how do you, for someone like Cousins, who's now in his 30s, has been in the league for we're pushing 10 years. I don't think he's quite 10 years, but probably seven or eight. I mean, how, how does he develop this ability? Can he develop this ability to, you know, make those throws? What are, what are your thoughts? I mean, at a, at a certain point you are what you are and, yes. yeah. you know, can he get better? Yeah. Like, like think about you and your personal life. You you always feel like you can get better at your job. You can be, you know, a better sure. podcaster or a better, whatever your job is at school. You can be a better student. You can work and understand concepts better and, and how the flow of everything goes. So like, he's not just capped at this like nebulous ceiling where he's never going to be able to throw something with anticipation. I think a lot mm-hmm. of it has to do with working with rookie Justin Jefferson, despite how good he was. And it seemed like they had good trust. It's still understanding like, okay, he is actually going to run this correct route. I can throw this with anticipation here and being familiar with the offensive system. Like he, he had Kubiak full time after Stefanski left. That's, that's a slightly different new system this year. He's going to have another one that's slightly new, different system. The terminology may change a little bit depending on if they, you know, go with the quarterbacks coach and and promote him or, or get someone outside of the building. Like those things matter. And, And I think as, as fans and people watching a lot of the times there's a, there's not a lot of leeway given you're like, Hey, you know, you're a professional. You should understand this offense, you know, in the first year. And that's a lot of the times not very realistic. Like there, there's so many things that go into to running that offense, the protections, the, the offensive line issues, the audibles, the calls, all that terminology can change what the concepts are. 
um, where you want to read, who you want to highlight on the play, what's the primary read based on this coverage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So as you get more comfortable in a system and you're not, you know, your mind isn't going a mile a minute pre-snap trying to get everything going and you can just sort of settle in and react. That's when you start to see quarterbacks really take that next step. And Kirk Cousins hasn't had that opportunity the last couple of years. So I think there, there's reason for a room for a little bit of optimism. I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, throwing crazy anticipation throws and, and running around and doing stuff like Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson and, and Aaron Rodgers. But I, th- I think there's room for him to improve with a, a stable system and, and maybe some help on the offensive line, which we may get into later. Um, but, you know, I think he's corrected a lot of a lot of the issues. His big knock was like, oh, he doesn't do well in primetime games or he struggles in the fourth quarter. And this year he came out and his, you know, by quarter, his highest quarterback rating was in the fourth quarter at 117.3. Mm-hmm. Like that's elite level of play in the fourth quarter. Um, so I think he's, he's working on it. And as he as things stabilize a little bit at the offensive coordinator position and, and the system becomes more familiar, uh, I think that'll help for sure. Sure. I mean, what you're saying with the OC stuff that, I mean, he's going into year four with the Vikings and this will be his fourth offensive coordinator with the Vikings. And then I mm-hmm. think even going back to Washington, you know, there's a couple of years there where he was year to year with his, I think it's been like five or six years where he's had a different yeah. person, you know, in his ear on game day, telling him the stuff. And so one thing that like, so Sam and I have talked about this or whatever with um, uh, Fritz Schirmer in his book talking about how, he says, you know, there's an invisible string between a player's brain and their feet. And the more they have to think, the slower their feet will go. Um, so how how difficult is it? I mean, you work with quarterbacks to have a different voice in your headset, right? And to have maybe just even if it's the same system, even if it's Clint Kubiak gets promoted and we have the exact same system and maybe even the same vocabulary, you know, how difficult is it for a Kirk Cousins, even as an intelligent guy, a veteran, to do that, to to make that switch and to not have that continuity now for a better part of a decade, uh, what kind of challenges does that present? Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, I think it's it's it goes back to their relationship with each other and understanding when I call this play, I want you looking at this thing. And I won't necessarily communicate that on the headset. Like I got to say the play and I get like one or two, you know, seconds to say like, hey, check the free safety on this or something like that. Right. But it's understanding like, hey, based on what we talked about on the sideline last drive, you know, the defense is adjusting this way. If I call this play, we're going to, you know, be looking at this because of their adjustment. Um, And as a quarterback, like that relationship changes from coordinator to coordinator. Like one coordinator wants you to look at this or this is how they're going to adjust. And even in drive, if they're, they're seeing like, Oh, we're, we're hitting the outside zone with Dalvin cook a ton. We're going to run this bootleg uh, you know, the linebackers are flowing very, very quickly. Let's, let's hit the over and not dump it straight to the flats, which has been open all game. And we've hit it a couple of times, but now this, this deep over at, at 10 to 12 yards is going to be open and, and understanding that that's what the coordinator wants you to do without necessarily communicating it in as many words. Um, so it's, it's, you know, they've worked together and that, that might be more seamless if, if the Vikings decide to pr- promote in-house, but uh it takes time to adjust and, and, you know, every new coordinator wants to put their stamp. They have different ideas. And uh, despite the system being similar or, or almost exactly the same, like the play calling cadence and uh, the ideas of how to exploit defenses, there's, there's minor differences that you got to sort of come to a, an agreement on or, or meet in the middle on. Sure. Sure. I'm going to hit you with, it's a simple question in a sense, but um it's probably a difficult answer. Is, is Kirk Cousins a franchise quarterback? I would say yes. And okay. okay. Well, you just alienated uh, half the listeners. <laughs> I think the big question is, if you don't have Kirk Cousins, who are you going to get? Like, what's the solution? Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of fans, especially with coaches and quarterbacks, they're like, well, this guy isn't it. But you got to look and say, all right, then who is like, how do you, what's the solution? If you get rid of Kirk cousins, like, do you remember Christian Ponder from a few years ago? Is that, oh, that dude. where we oh, want to yeah. go? <laughs> like it was yeah. a dark time for, for Vikings quarterbacks for a while there. And Kirk cousins has brought them to relevancy and made them competitive 
basically every year he's been there. They were just in the playoffs last year and upset the Saints. They've proved that they have uh, a nucleus there that can perform well. And unfortunately, there were a lot of injuries on defense, and I think that sort of tanked their season a little bit in some degree. But that offense has performed. Like, I, I, I don't know if you can look at Cousins and say, like, this year especially, that it was his fault. And um, if you're going to get rid of him, you better have a pretty good solution that's that's going to take his place. Because I think at this point, there's not, there's not much out there, uh, especially where the Vikings are picking. I don't think you want to go take someone number one, especially with his contract. You might want to take someone later in the draft and, and sort of build someone underneath him. But as of right now, I don't see a better solution out there. And he's proven that he can win games and he's proven that he can operate the offense. He's proven that he can throw at a high level. Is he perfect? Is he a top tier elite quarterback that's going to carry you to the Super Bowl? No, but he can take you into the playoffs. And if he has some help or he gets hot, he can take you a, lo- a long ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, what do you got, Sam? Well, I was curious because when you said yes to franchise quarterback, then I was thinking, does that mean that? You trust him to take you to the Super Bowl, and you kind of are saying not necessarily. But like I, I was talking to Kyle actually before this call and looking at the past quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl, and that's that's a pretty elite list. Uh, yeah. But I, I guess the the thought is that, um, is it a question of can the the Vikings win with him or like I don't? It doesn't feel like he's a doesn't hold back on the team. You just you would have to have a really good team surrounding him to be able to get there. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think you can count on like one hand of guys that you trust to carry you to a Super Bowl. you know, like there's not many of those guys, there's four or five maybe in, in the entire league. And, you know, I think people look on the outside and they see all these teams succeeding with, you know, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. And they're like, I want that guy. Well, there's only three or four of those guys in the entire world. So it's not so easy as saying like, well, we got to go get that guy. Um, so you find ways to, as every coach should find ways to win with the guys that you have, if you have to scheme around them or, and play to their strengths. And, you know, the playbook is a little bit more limited then that's, you know, that's what it is. A, a good coach will find a way to win. And I think Zimmer's a good enough coach to, to get that defense right. I mean, we've seen the Ravens do it a couple of times with, elite defenses that that go to the 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 Super Bowl. I mean Peyton Manning was a, a shell of himself his last Super Bowl. His defense carried him a long way. It's like the 49ers didn't have an elite quarterback. Is Jimmy G did they need to, yeah. you know, that's a question for for their fan base and I'm sure they're as divided on him as as Vikings fans are on Kirk Cousins, but he took him to the Super Bowl and was a play away. They you know, they collapsed. They had the Super Bowl in their hands. And you know, that defense was very good, but they, you know, <clears throat> That's sort of the formula I see with Kirk Cousins. I think he's better than Jimmy G. I think he's a little bit above that tier, but he's going to need some help, and he has the help the help on offense. I, I mean, you would like to protect them a little bit better, but if that defense is healthy, I mean, I think you can at least pencil in like three or four wins for for the Vikings if Kendricks and Barr and and Hunter are, are there. Like there's there were a number of one score games where you know a yeah. sack or a turnover yeah. changes the entire game and you're you're sitting in the playoffs instead of the the Bears like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the Bears didn't deserve to be there I think the Vikings were a more competitive team than than the Bears and they're not that far away. That's fair. Maybe the final question I have for you here on Kirk Cousins. Um, I mean, you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the pre snap motion and all these things. You know, it makes me think about, you know, I, you think about like McVeigh and 11 personnel and Cooper Cup doing his thing, you know, the mm-hmm. motions and all this stuff. I mean, if you were Mike Zimmer calls up Casey Sully and says, you're the new OC for the Vikings. I mean, would you want to open up this offense a little bit? One of the criticisms and concerns from Vikings fans is that the offense is somewhat stale and predictable in that the philosophy itself is sounds and you know and and we like some of the main kind of core ideas but that is just kind of an old version this Gary Kubiak version as opposed to say the Kyle Shanahan or the Sean McVay version I mean should the Vikings open this up a little bit and put more onto Kirk put more onto his arm rather than being so Dalvin Cook focused and that sort of thing what are you what are your thoughts yeah I mean I think if I said let's take the ball away from Dalvin Cook 
Mike Zimmer would fire me, uh, you know, <laughs> the done. second I said that I spoke yeah. those treasonous words. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I was watching the offense and looking at the film for the Vikings, it, it, it did feel stale and, you know, the Vikings only ran play action 24% of the time. And yeah. uh, that's, that's not enough when you have Dalvin cook and cousins has shown he's, he's great on yeah. the move and can roll out and throw to his left and, and all yeah. that stuff. So that, that was the biggest issue that I, I had from a philosophical standpoint on the offense. There were a couple of times that I, you know, it seemed like at least once or twice every game, there'd be a play where three receivers or two receivers are in the same exact spot. And I don't know if that's, you know, bad scheme or miscommunication with, with inexperienced receivers or what it was necessarily, but there were, there were times where it's just like a dead play. You can cover those three guys with one defender and what's Kirk Cousins supposed to do. Like, uh, so I think there's room to be more inventive and, um, I think that sort of speaks to a larger issue in the NFL is sort of staying with these old hats and tried and true blue blood coaches that sort of bounce around from team to team. And there's no new concepts and new ideas and people are scared to take a chance on someone. Um, but we've seen it work with Shanahan. We've seen it work with McVay. LaFleur is doing it in, in Green Bay. Um, Nick Sirianni was just hired in, in Philadelphia. Um, Frank Reich is also young, did a good job in, in Indianapolis. So I think there's starting to be a trend there. I don't know if the Vikings will follow that trend, but I think there is room to uh, for the scheme to help the players more on offense for the Vikings. Sure. Yeah, it always, I think from my perspective and a lot of Vikings fans, you look at it and you say, okay, Kirk Cousins is playing pretty well. He has taken a step forward, it seems. And then you give him Jefferson and Thielen and Cook and Herb Smith. It just says, it, you know, the offense was good, but it just felt like it could be elite and it could be really scary. And I knew that the O-line certainly left a lot to be desired. But with that collection of skill, it always kind of felt like they underachieved a little bit. Um, just because it seems, man, you give that group of skill to someone like Andy Reid or Sean McVay or something like that. And I know these are extreme scenarios because these are like the best offensive lines in the world, but yeah, it just always felt like the Vikings offense could just be just lethal and, and so explosive and such a nightmare for opposing defenses. So hope, you know, hopefully we can take that step. Um, Sam, what do you think here? Anything on Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense before we do third down? Yeah, no, I like for me, I hear all you guys are, are talking about and for like when I'm watching quarterbacks, I find that my tendency is more to see how they perform in those moments that you really kind of see a make or break moment for them. And and I know there was one drive. We talked about this con. I, at one point, I think it was the game against the Bucks, and they were down. Like they were, it looked like this game was over at half and, and he came back in the third quarter and had this really significant drive that by no means was special, but it was just, it was what they needed. And I guess for me, I see Kirk Cousins um, as a little bit of, of, of a fighter. Um, I, I, my introduction to him or, or one of the first memories I have of him is that that moment as he's walking down the tunnel with the, the red skins yeah. and, and his thing. And, and like, for me, that seems so sometimes almost underappreciated in a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where like, that's the kind of guy I want as a quarterback for my team. Yeah, you want some fire, someone to yeah get people going. Say like, hey, you know, we're down, but we we need this game, especially against the Bucks. Like that was kind of their season at that point of you know this drive. We need it right now, and he brought he brings some juice for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good. I I I know you're you're not going to change a whole lot of people's minds, and and that's okay. (laughs) And If that's your if that's your goal, I just saying even just for us, like if if your goal is to try to change people's minds, it's not going to happen. But um, <laughs> but at least we can we can show uh, Kirk a little love. Um, transitioning the to the last down here, we wanted to talk a little about the draft and the drafts coming up in this process. You mentioned at the start there a little bit, but like how different can you like maybe even just capture how different this process is with scouting and preparation in a strange year where you've got some people playing some games, some people playing a full season, some people opting out. Um, yeah. Like yeah it's, it's a crazy process. 
it's kind of a disaster. <laughs> it's it's hard to evaluate. Um, I mean, obviously, NFL GMs have access to more information and more film than than I do. Uh, there's sort of a lack of, uh, uh, I don't know, a collected group of film for college football out there. You got to sort of search and find on YouTube, and there's not there's nothing like the NFL Game Pass for for college football film. So it can be be tough to find those games that that you're looking for if someone played you know two games and then decided to opt out or whatever then you're, you're kind of stuck if those aren't on, on youtube but uh yeah i mean i think the pro days will you know a lot of times it feels like they're those are you know skewed a little bit to help out their their own players because it's their school and you know if you can shave a, a half you know second off of their their 40 time or something you know, go for it you know it you know doesn't hurt anybody uh so it'll be it'll be interesting how the scouts have to to jump from place to place. And, and I think the, the reporting may be interesting on that because uh, you only have so many scouts. You can only go to so many pro days. Uh, so if you're interested in someone, you got to show up or get a live feed or, or, or something. So that's going to change and interviewing the prospects, seeing them face to face might, might not happen. Um, evaluating sort of what their injury status is if they, they had an injury from, from the season then there's the guys that, you know, haven't even played football in a year. And how do you evaluate them? Have they let themselves go? They're going to have their pro day, presumably. But there's probably going to be some guys like, oh, I'm out of shape. I'm not doing a pro day. Like, I'm going to ride my my film from 2019, and that's that's who I am. And, you know, I, I balled out that year, that year. So sign me up. I'm ready to be a first-round pick. And there probably will be some of those guys that, that flame out pretty, pretty quickly that you, you know, you haven't seen in a while. So it's, it's going to be hard to evaluate really top to bottom. I mean, there's, there's some guys, the blue bloods that, that played uh, and had a number of games, you know, those, those guys are, I don't know. You, you think about like Trevor Lawrence didn't need to come back. Uh, Justin Fields probably didn't need to come back and they did. And I, I think that probably helped their, their stock in some way it's expected of them. To, to be a quarterback and do that. I don't think if Trevor Lawrence had not played that Justin Fields would all of a sudden be the number one pick, but um, you know, it's, it's a tricky situation for the college players too. Like, do I risk coming back and getting hurt uh, risk myself being infected and giving it to my family or, or my friends. Um, but it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge for the GMs too. a lot more guesswork, even more than normal. I mean, the, the draft is already kind of a craft shoot. So now you throw this, this wrinkle in there and it's, it's going to be tough for sure. Yeah. And I think that that, like for me, seeing the Vikings pick kind of mid, mid first round, I feel like there's almost something to be encouraged about that where there's a chance that you have a guy and, and with just the uncertainty, the chance you have a guy that you take at 14 that, looking back, they were like, man, like there's no way he should have been there. Uh, there's also the chance that you just absolutely whiff on the pick because you're, you're choosing someone based on, uh, like we think that there's a potential here and it just doesn't end up happening. So it just feels like there's, it's maybe it's just a more of a lottery system than it normally is. You said it is, it is a little bit of a, you just don't know how it's going to go process, but it does feel like there, there's almost just a higher variable in terms of, this could be a really good draft, a really weak draft when, when, when the Vikings fans look back on it. But I guess for us, as we think about the draft and specifically the Vikings, um, have you, in watching them, like, is there any areas that you would identify as needs for the Vikings and, and maybe even just some prospects that you could see lining up with, uh, with, that, with those needs? Yeah, I mean, uh, left guard, Dakota Dozier, he ain't it. I'm just going to let you know. Uh, he, he had some pretty bad feet. He overset a, a number of times. And I think you got to have a replacement for him. Um, philosophically, I don't know how the, the Vikings will approach that. I know a lot of teams sort of, they feel like they want to go take a tackle that played tackle in college and, and convert those guys to guard because they tend to be more athletic. So it's kind of rare to to take a true guard, especially in the first round. But um, I think if Wyatt Davis is there from from OSU, I think he'd be a, a pretty good fit. He plays with good strength and mobility. He can fit a zone scheme. Um, and he's, he may be a, a little bit top heavy at, at 315 pounds, and he can he can struggle sort of with that balance a little bit. But um, he's a true guard. He would slot in there probably day one. Uh, that'd be pretty easy. Um, 
you know, it's, it's just whether you would rather take a, a true guard or take a tackle that might be able to bump around the line. I know Zimmer sort of likes to get the best five out there. So a guy with versatility that can also play tackle might be more attractive to, to them and, and sort of getting somebody like Rashawn Slater from Northwestern or, or Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, Christian Derrissaw from Virginia Tech. Those guys might be sort of on their, their radar as well. And, you know, if, if Dozier somehow pulls it together and is serviceable there, maybe you can bump those guys out to tackle as a long-term plan for, for Riley reef or, uh, you know, I know Ezra Cleveland was playing a little bit out of position at right guard, but uh, you know, getting that versatility, I think is very attractive from my viewpoint. I don't know if that's necessarily what the, the Vikings will end up doing, but uh, on the offensive yeah. side of the ball, that's, that's where my, my eyes are. What do you have for defense? I'm, I'm going to ask, I want to ask a little bit more about the O-line, but let's, what do you have uh, when you think of the defense? Are there any ideas for particular areas of need and then, you know, prospects who might, um, you know, be able to address some of those needs? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you need someone across from Dania Hunter uh, mm-hmm. that, that would help the most. Um, obviously just having him back will help a lot having you know Kendrick's back and the linebackers back also will I think will make a world of difference because especially in Zimmer's defense at the linebacker position he likes those double a gap blitzes and looks and moving those linebackers around he trusts them to be athletic and the issue is once you lose those guys and you have backups that maybe aren't as athletic it's it's puts a strain on that defensive structure. Cause if you're going to show those a gap blitzes and walk people up, you got to be athletic enough to get out and get to your coverage spot. And a lot of the times the, the linebackers, the Vikings weren't cause they're not Michael Kendricks and Anthony Barr. So I think those things will help, but you still need somebody at edge. I mean, a Denig Bowes is going to be a, a restricted free agent. He may or may not be back. He, you know, a little up and down, not fantastic uh, in in 2020. But Quiddy Pay may be a good good edge rusher there at 14. It's it's sort of hard to tell where where he'll end up. He has some good athleticism. Athleticism. He's he's pretty strong. Makes some nice splash plays, but he's he can be a little unpolished. So he may not be like an every down starter. Start as a third third uh, third down rusher kind of guy. Um, uh, but. You know, I think he has he has a lot of potential. And then you sort of have Gregory Rousseau, who's the flip side of that, who's a little bit more consistent. He has a lot of experience, uh, but he's maybe a little less athletic than Quiddy Pay is. Um, you can also, if you, you dip into the, the third or second round, it's, you know, then things sort of go haywire as far as predicting who's going to be there. But Jalen Twyman out of Pitt might be around in the second round. I know the Vikings don't have a second round pick, but if you combine those those threes and trade up or something, that might be an option. Um, he opted out. So he's one of those guys that are going to be hard to determine what's, what's going on with him, but he's super athletic. He's out of pit, uh, good pass rusher. Um, and those are the edge guys I would look at most in the first round. And then if you want defensive tackle, I know Michael Pierce was out and he'll help, but solidifying the interior defense will, will help the linebackers. If you know, down the road, you need to, replace one of those guys that are, that are starting to age a little bit, um, keeping those linebackers clean, letting bar and run around and, and make those plays and stay clean and not have to shed blocks and stuff would, would also be helpful. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, losing bar and Kendricks were just so impactful and then Pierce and Hunter. I mean, have you, um, you were just talking about uh, D line and D tackle. I mean, I saw there's a clip circulating on Twitter today of Quidi Pei. I don't know if I've pronounced that gentleman's name correctly or not, but it's him and he's in like a weighted vest with a 200-pound kettlebell doing a single leg squat. It's just like, it's just like otherworldly. So you're thinking, man, I want this kid on my team. Like this, this is an impressive, an impressive, strong guy. And so who knows, it might be him. Um, but I was going to ask what you thought about you know, you're saying D tackle. Have you had a chance? What are your thoughts on Christian Barmore, the D uh, D tackle for Bama? You know, is he worth a pick at 14? Um, or even if you were to trade down a handful of picks, of course, Spielman loves to trade down. Um, have you been able to form an opinion on Barmore and, and his ability and uh, whether he'd be worth a first round pick? Yeah, I've seen, I haven't done a deep dive on him, but I've seen yep. bits and pieces um, yep. just on the top of trading down. This might be a good draft for it 
because people yeah. you know, will believe, oh, we found the diamond in the rough that nobody's seeing. I can't believe he dropped to 14. Let's go get him right now. And we're willing right. to give up something because we don't want this guy to get snatched up. And he's somebody that we believe in that, you know, played two years ago and nobody has seen. Maybe had an injury in 2019 and had a really good sophomore season or something in, in 2018. And we want to go get him. Um, is he worth the pick at, at 14, though? I'm not completely sold he has some good flashes and he can hold up in the run game and, and has some athleticism um but you know is that the the biggest need or do you trust your linebackers like hey defensive tackle in the first round is not the priority this year let's get an edge guy and and get some depth maybe in the third or fourth round and get a defensive tackle that can hold up there because we believe that michael pierce being back and and our linebackers coming back that's not going to be as big of a hole in an issue as it, as it was this year Fair enough. Yeah, it's interesting. I just I just don't know where the Vikings like the Vikings. They haven't picked, um, so they picked one defensive lineman in the first round in the past ten years. And it was Sharif Floyd, D tackle, whose mm-hmm. career was ended because of an injury. Otherwise, the highest defensive end they've picked in the past ten years was at seventy two. Um, mm-hmm. They just don't do it, and it's so. But I like I hear what you're saying with Freddie Pay and then Russo, you know, with Hunter, and you think yourself you know this is the year you know especially after the pass rush was just so awful and so you think you partner one of these kids with hunter and it just seems to make a ton of sense but um rick spielman hasn't called me yet to to hear my my opinion how dare (laughs) he's got to get on it yeah apparently so but if you're talking to him casey maybe please share your perspective I'll, I'll, plug, um, I'll plug you. I'll, I'll let, okay, I'll let I appreciate know. that. Kyle has something yeah. for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the question I wanted to ask you, because you're talking about, I mean, you're exactly right when you say Zimmer wants to play his best five at offensive line, and he hasn't been shy about moving guys around either. You know what I mean? Taking a rookie mm-hmm. left tackle and put him in a right guard, and frig, man, good luck against Grady Jarrett. That's your first game <laughs> in the NFL. So yeah. that's a tough ask. And so what kind of – what? You know, I, I mean, you go to the left side or the right side, your footwork changes. But, like, even just moving a left tackle to left guard, what changes in your technique to do that? Like, what kind of transition does a player go through? Um, what kind of difficulties arise with that kind of thing? Yeah, it can be challenging both directions. I mean, you think about tackles, and they're generally on the island. They don't get a ton of help. They got to be more athletic, get out on, you know, whatever type of pass rusher they're dealing with. Um, they generally have less work with double teams and, and help on the inside. Ideally your guard is, is there to protect your inside if, if in a, in a pass rush situation, if they don't have anyone to block, but, um, so you need guys with length there. Like you don't want to have a guy with short arms generally, because, you know, if, if they can get their arms in on you and you're, you know, think of a little kid, you hold their little, they're like their head and they're waving their <laughs> arms and they can't get to you. Like that's sort of what it is. If you have length and you can extend one arm and, and keep their hands off you, that's, that's, that's a problem if you're a tackle. Uh, as far as guard goes, you can have a little bit l- less good of an athlete and have guys that have some deficiencies in one area or another. Um, and those guys have to be a little bit smarter. They have to be able to double team and work in conjunction with the, the center, work double teams, especially in a zone scheme. You got to be able to, to work double teams and understand the flow and, and have relatively quick feet to be able to hook and, and climb to linebackers and, and get on guys. Um, so things definitely change uh, just sort of in your mindset and your responsibilities. Um, you know, it's in wide zone and outside zone for, for tackles, you're not necessarily expected to be able to hook somebody. Um, a lot of the times those outside zone schemes hit inside. Like it's very rarely, maybe once a game you end up getting outside. If you know, someone spikes in and doesn't fill outside or something and you're, you're able to get it to the outside. Uh, but most of the time they come underneath the the guard and the, the tackle and are more interior. Um, and if you're at guard, you are expected to be able to hook a defensive tackle. Um, cause if it, if it washes all the way down the line, you know, sometimes those cutbacks, Dalton cook's pretty talented and he makes it work, but you know, it's, it can be challenging to uh, sustain those blocks. If you're, you're drive blocking and not sealing anybody, um, the defense doesn't have to flow as hard and the linebackers can co- sort of sit. And then those, those cutback lanes don't open up as much. So there's some challenges. There's, there's different issues, uh, both sides. And ideally you want a guy that can play both. And, and generally that's what 
tackles are it's easier to go from tackle to guard i think than guard to tackle right yeah that that's that seems to make some sense yeah okay so maybe if i could put it to you this way here to maybe to step back and look at the draft kind of overall so you're sitting at 14 and let's say you know rick spielman does have you on speed dial as opposed to me and you know something you know is there a player, a high-end player, top 10 player who Casey's really excited about and this guy starts falling inexplicably and we're now getting into the late, you know, we're getting close to 10 or maybe the early double digits. Is there a player that you would say, okay, we need to make a move now to hop up two, three, four picks to go get this guy um, who would just be an absolute slam dunk for the Vikings? Yeah, I think the easiest would be Panay Sewell from Oregon. I, I can't yeah. imagine he would he would end up sliding, but uh, he's clearly the top prospect for me on the offensive line, and I think he would have that versatility if you wanted him to play guard or tackle or wherever. Um, he's a pretty good athlete. He's got good strength. He has good tape. Um, I think he's the guy that you would have to to go go get. I don't know if he'll slide to be within reach, but. He's sort of the slam dunk on the offensive line, I think, uh, for for this draft. Fair enough. Would you would you be at all tempted if one of those high end receivers, the Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, would you be at all tempted to pull the trigger there and then just try and form just some sort of crazy trio of receivers, or is that just would that just be foolish given that it's already such a strength for the Vikings? That's a good question. I think I might be more tempted to to look at Kyle Pitts, the tight end oh, really? out of okay. Florida. Um, I know Irv, Irv Smith had some flashes, but Rudolph seems to be sort of on the the way out, uh, yeah. a little bit uninspired this year. Um, but especially with a, a a team that wants to be able to run the ball, I mean Kyle Pitts can block pretty well. Um, he's pretty dynamic in the passing game. He runs route like, routes like a receiver. He he reminds me a little bit of Jefferson in the way he he runs route and understands how to attack defenses and and can sort of layer his routes and and uh, attack leverage and and sell you know vertical stems and and give head nods at the top of routes and manipulate underneath coverage. Uh, I think he's really good at that and adding a, a second tight end to the mix with uh, Thielen and Jefferson could make that offense really dynamic. Um, you'd see more two tight end sets. Uh, there's a lot of versatility you could do. You can have him be a move tight end. He can be a big slot outside. Um, that would be a little bit more exciting for me, if if Devonte Smith was there, I think someone would come call in and say like, "Hey, we're going to give you two first. And if I was the Vikings, I would probably take that. Because yeah. um, yeah. I, I mean, another receiver would be nice too. I, I, as an offensive guy and a quarterback and a receivers coach, like I would love to, but I don't think it's the highest. I think being prudent, I would say trade that pick away and let someone break the bank to go get him. Sure. Yeah. Fair enough, Sam. What do you think? Yeah, no, I was saying to Kyle, I said, like, there, I feel like there's three options here with the Vikings. Either they they trade back and and recoup some picks here. You you make the pick based on need. Uh, so maybe that's the on the edge or the offensive line or or some other spot. Or you make the more, I would say, like a sexy pick where you, you pick one of these offensive mm-hmm. weapons that are there. And I think it's always fascinating. I, and I was saying to Kyle, like, here we are. We We've been reading... Uh, on different draft boards, different mock drafts, and it's easy to get really hyped up about certain guys and get excited. Sure. And then draft might be like, "Oh man, I just can't believe that this this franchise who's been doing hours and hours of scouting didn't take the player that I've been reading about for five minutes." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, and get really disappointed. But but it sounds like from what you're saying that there's a, there's some obvious needs here, and unless there's a real guy there that you really believe in I, I the pits pits is an interesting one but but it, it does feel like the the vikings have some some pretty clear needs that could be addressed in the draft especially with so many skilled players at the top you get there's there's some guys that that could fall out of some serious skill 
Yeah, I agree. And I think Zimmer wants to win in the trenches. And I think that's where, where things are lacking right now. And if, if you're building to the identity of your, your head coach and you want to be a physical team that, you know, plays great defense and runs the ball really well, which is, I think what Zimmer wants, that's his, his sort of wet dream. Uh, that's, that's the way to go. He, I, I think that's sort of what, what the direction seems to be for, for the Vikings, depending on, uh, you know, who's there. Fair enough. I mean, I, Zimmer might beat you up if you heard you saying that, but you know, <laughs> you're probably not too far off. He's a pretty crusty guy sometimes. <laughs> he is. He is. I don't know if he would use those words. There might be some more expletives. He wants to yeah, run right. the, the blank ball and yeah. uh, knock the blank out of people, but yeah. I, I don't know if you, if you remember the year, if you read this, but this was back in Daniil Hunter's rookie season, but there was some sort of exchange where, you know, Hunter came in, he was relatively raw and there's some sort of exchange where Zimmer said something to the effect of if he doesn't start using his arms better to get better separation and that kind of thing that he was going to, you know, rip them off and beat him with them, his own arms. <laughs> so Zimmer is very, he's very direct with what he thinks sometimes <laughs> I think crosses the line. Uh, but anyhow, be that as it may. So, <laughs> hey, so at least he knows. At least he knows. Message received. All right, coach. Yes, coach. I'll exactly. use my arms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was pretty clear. I was, it made me think of the interview yesterday from from the Colts. The that little press release there. It, it doesn't feel as as vicious. I don't know if you saw the with the the kneecaps and the oh, oh yeah, Dan Campbell. The Lions with Dan Campbell. Or sorry, the Lions. Why did I think I was the colors? Uh, Lions. I was yeah. thinking that. I that was. Uh, it was interesting. Was, that was, that was the first impression. That was the first impression for sure. So, I just can't imagine that that's going to age very, very well. But I yeah, know. you know that you know that clip is going to be played back as soon as the Lions get blown out in like week one. Oh, yeah. yeah. In, but, in about you know, it's going to be silly after a couple weeks, and then after about two years when they've like collectively won like seven games, it's just going to it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess. Yeah, it, it right. won't age well. Yeah, I, I had a hard time watching. I like I honestly it was twenty seven seconds, I think, and like it was like one of those things where I was really intrigued, but at some point I was I, I almost couldn't make it through. Um, anyways, I, I think it's <laughs> off off track there, but it uh, we're we're excited about this draft and and excited about what can happen and and hoping that whoever takes, like, I just feel like there's there's probably going to be a case where they take someone that's a little bit um, that that can really undercover help some of these these weaknesses that, that the team has yeah i think i think you're at a good spot where you're gonna get somebody that can contribute pretty quickly at, at 14 um okay. there's there seems to be enough depth uh on either side of the trenches where you're gonna get somebody that you really like and, and that's encouraging if you're a vikings fan because most of those sides of the the ball need need a little bit of infusion of youth and, and talent and um there, there should be somebody there for, for the Vikings to pick up that they feel pretty happy with. Can I ask you one more question about the draft here? Shoot. All right. So you always hear, I mean, everyone says this, but like you kind of say, come on. There's always the whole, you know, do you draft need over value kind of thing? And Spielman, of course, will always say that they always, you draft the best player available no matter what the position, so on and so forth. I mean, I think in a perfect world, you marry the two. You, it just so happens that the best player available is someone who fits an area of need and you get that value and need in one person. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. But do you, is, it, is this actually a thing, do you think? Or is this, are teams actually drafting for need? And, you know, what are the Vikings, what should they be doing here in terms of need versus value? Yeah, I think the, the way that I would look at it is... <laughs> considering players and tiers because it's very hard to to sort of compare transitionally you know how do you compare a receiver to an offensive lineman or a defensive tackle like how do you determine which one's better it's very nebulous and and hard so i think a lot of times people will put guys in like tier one tier two tier three tier four and then within those tiers you can select based on need so if there's a tier one guy at, at 14 and that's your last tier one guy uh, then you may select best player available. He's the last blue chip guy that we believe in. He's our guy. What sort of like maybe what the Packers did with with Jordan Love. Maybe he was the last tier one guy on their list. 
everyone else was in tier two and they didn't feel like it was worth it at that pick. Once you're into the, you know, everyone's in that same, that same tier, then I think you can pick and choose what position you need most is, is how I would generally think about it. And I think how most GMs would probably approach it. Fair enough. That's quite reasonable. And uh, I think there's uh, probably some teams that don't. I'm, I'm sure. Me. The I'm Jets, sure. I'm sure, maybe, or something. But that seems like a very reasonable approach. Thank you for that. For sure. Well, that makes a lot of sense because I think I think that the draft, especially because you've got different teams, we've got different schemes, and they draft based on, yeah, needs. It's the The whole process of tiers makes a lot of sense to me to help sort that through because it, it is hard, I think, sometimes to compare uh, a quarterback versus an offensive tackle and, and understanding, mm-hmm. like, how do you determine the value of, of, of those two? Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's helpful for me to hear. Um, well, I think that's, that's all we got. We just want to thank you profusely to, to, for coming on. It's been really good to, sure. to chat and, and, and taking the time out of your day to listen or to talk. Um, so we want to point listeners towards your, your site, weeklyspiral.com, and you guys got a Twitter account also at Weekly Spiral. Uh, is there yep. anything else that you want to plug or, or promote? Uh, if you want to see the, the YouTube breakdowns, you can go to youtube.com slash weekly spiral for the, seeing the live clips and narrate over it with diagrams and stuff is that's where that's at. Otherwise you, you got it covered weekly spiral.com. You can find sort of everything from weekly spiral.com. If you want to find the, the YouTube or the Twitter or the Instagram or whatever, that's the, the main hub. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Casey. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Thank you guys. Well, we wanted to thank Casey again for coming on. It was really just a fantastic conversation, a lot of fun to to have him, and and I hope that that listeners enjoyed it too. Um, yeah, that was a that was a great great conversation. Yeah, I mean, folks should definitely like. Obviously, uh, we appreciate you listening here and and all that, but definitely check out weeklyspiral.com, especially you know I think as we get into the off season here. I mean, some of their draft coverage stuff is really neat. And, uh, I mean, you'll just understand football better and understand the prospects better. And so, uh, I think it's worth your time. Give it, give it a, give it a shot. Yeah. It feels like a good, like one-stop shop place for people that are looking for football coverage. Um, and so, so that's great. Uh, we, we wanted to touch base a little bit. We, we didn't talk about our playoff predictions after we made them. We had Brian on a couple of weeks ago and, and never, never circle back. And the only reason I'm circling back is because. I uh, I think I, I come out of this looking a little better than Kyle. Uh, we I had the the Chiefs and and the Bucks representing in the finals and in the Super Bowl. And Kyle, you had you had Chiefs, but I think you had the Seahawks. I did, and uh, I guess they let me down uh, <laughs> pretty spectacularly, I suppose. So at this point, my only real hope in a sense is, which I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually kind of hope Sam is right about the Bucks because my dear, just seeing the Packers in the Super Bowl will be sickening. So hopefully Sam's right. I And, and like, I, it's, it's easy to look at this and I'm like, I, I don't feel super confident, but at this point I made my pick and I'm rolling with it. There's no way I'm, I'm steering away. Uh, I, I think regardless of who makes it, it will be fun to see, see who's there. I would love to see the Bucks there. I'm, I don't, I definitely don't hate hate the Packers. I I would it'd be fun to see them them do that, but I know I I won't talk about any success with the Packers on a Vikings podcast. Uh, it'd be interesting <laughs> to see if Mahomes and and like what he's looking like with with that injury, yeah. Um, yeah. and the Bills. That man, that would be a lot of fun. And I actually feel like these were the four teams. I, I know I didn't have to to pick them. We only picked one team, but I feel like these were the four teams that I kind of thought were going to be there. So I, I don't know. I feel That's what he says now. I'm batting 100, percent and yeah. I I think that this is uh, this may be a career. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, you can you can send me all your betting guesses and stuff later. I I promise. I can't promise that I will respond. But if I have a real good feeling like I did with this, then then I'm gonna I'm gonna take it. So uh, I I'm going over 100. Now moving forward, uh, That's right. circling back, uh, our our hockey coverage of Minnesota Wild, man, this has been a fun start to the season. And I was telling Kyle, like, 
like, I'm not just saying this because we're here, but the Minnesota Wild have been one of, if not the most talked about team as the season started. They're in second place. They're three and one. And, and I said uh, a few weeks ago, like, they could start out hot and that's going to carry them through through the season because, man, like 56 games, I know it's a ton considering when you think about football, but 56 games is really not a whole lot of time for these NFL or for these NHL teams when they're used to an 82 game schedule and the Minnesota wild have traditionally been a really boring team to watch. Like I think that Minnesota wild fans say that they're boring to watch. Like it's no, there's no secret, but with Kaprasov or Kaprizov, I've heard multiple people or multiple people pronounce either way. This, uh, this is a fun team. I think wild fans should be feeling hopeful even though you kind of need to have that hope you open yourself up to get hurt a little bit. But Caprizov uh, has played well and given the team a spark for sure. And so it's exciting, I think, for the Wilds. Now the question I have for Sam, you know, because we look at the weakness of Minnesota and we could say they could certainly use a little bit of hump at center. I mean, should they be on the phone talking to Columbus about Dubois? And oh, if so, I mean, what would be fair compensation? You know, to, how, how often this is like getting a franchise QB in a sense, like in the NHL, you just don't get 22 year olds centers become available. It just barely ever happens. And mm-hmm. so, Sam, what do you, this is kind of a unique opportunity. Should the Wilds make their move here? Yeah, that's a difficult question for multiple reasons. I like Dubois, for people who don't know, he's he signed a recent deal with Columbus for two years, 10 million, so 5 million a year. And this guy has been good. He's a third overall pick. He, at one point he was kind of, that pick was criticized uh, for them taking him at, at three when there was another guy on the board. And so far it's, it's really worked out. Dubois would probably be in that 20 to 25 range in terms of centermen on a ranking. So like top 20, 2025 there, which for 31 teams is a first line center. And so, he, like, he's at the lower end of that, but 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 he is a, a very good center and has a lot of abilities to do. I think what, what would fit well with Minnesota Wild in terms of he's an he like he can provide some offense, but he's also got some responsibilities on defense. Although uh, it depends on who you're asking, if you're asking his coach Tortorella or not. Um, this this situation has really not been good in Columbus, and last night he played less than four minutes in a 60 minute game and bent was benched and didn't play either the second or third period or overtime. I don't know if it's like, I think you, you, you obviously you got to take risks and this is a real buy low potential on this guy, but I, I do feel like they're going to be asking for a lot. And I wouldn't say that you really want to give up a couple top guys. Like obviously there's a couple guys that you would probably put as untouchables there with, with Kaprizov and, and Rossi. Um, and then if you're asking about someone like a, a Boldy, like, I don't know, do you make that move? The, I'm going to say no. It, it, it all depends on what, what's the asking price yeah. because they do have some guys and like maybe um, Kuznadinov from the world juniors is someone that they're looking at and targeting. And maybe you're like, Hey, you know what? This might be a time to sell high and a guy that's just come off a good world juniors um, performance. So I feel like, if they're going for it, they want, they're going to want one of those top guys. Um, yeah. And I think that there's a few, you kind of move down a list and you're like, okay, probably not, probably not. And then, yeah, once you get to, to Boldy, Kuzidinov, depending on what they're asking outside of that picks, it doesn't feel like the Minnesota Wild, they're, it's difficult because their D are there. I'm, I'm going back and forth here. The, it, but their, their D are old. They've got young guys coming on forward. And so you really have to decide what the re- direction of the team is. And almost similar to the Vikings in terms of you've got young guys there, you've got old guys there. And and so maybe it's something you wait and and take a few more weeks and see what happens and see how the situation evolves. Um, so that's my that's my real long answer of maybe. Um, but but not I'm not overly impressed with a guy who already has issues with uh, a, a team at, at 22 years old. It is tough to know, though. Like, it just seems like there's 
we're only getting the tip of the iceberg. There's yeah. it seems like there certainly is a fair amount that has gone on behind the scenes. And I don't know who is to blame or I like you say, like you have concerns where you have this kid who's really talented and just hasn't worked out. And so there's concern there, but like if you if you go to every NFL team and say, Hey, do you want a young stud at defensive end? Every single NFL team says, Yes, please. I'm interested in adding that person. And it's the same thing in hockey. Hey, do you want a young stud at center? Every single team says, yes, please, absolutely. What does it take to get that player? And so, I mean, with what Sam was saying, you know, even if it's a low-end tier one center, it's still a tier one center, someone who's going to make that top six go, who would fill a real need and be able to grow with that young core. So to me, that would be exciting for the wild, but I, I hear what Sam's saying. There is concern, and it could – it is. You could definitely see a, a scenario where it doesn't work out. For sure, and and I'm not a risk taker by nature, um, and so for me, I'm looking at it and it's like, what are you gonna have to give up to get a player like him? If you've got him and Rossi down the middle for the next decade, like you 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 absolutely are not complaining about that. So I would say, I guess I guess the answer is yes, depending on the deal. And yeah, it sounds like there's issues with with the coach with Tortorella, uh, who is no surprise because it's not like shocker um, Tortorella is causing uh, issues. I've heard other things that just in the free agency period as a restricted free agent, he just started to see some teams that were interested and thought, hey, you know what, maybe Columbus isn't the best place for, for me long-term, and, and that's totally fair. Um, so it is a, it is a fascinating thing. I, I do wonder from Minnesota Wild fans' perspective um, what they – what they would be willing to give up um, to, to get a player because he is, he is very good. And to be able to get a young guy, like you said, it's not like you're trading for a 27, 28 year old center who you've got another few years left with. Like this is, this is a guy who theoretically could be there for, for and an impact player for 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Absolutely. So we'll uh, transition here to Kyle's words of wisdom as we, uh, yeah, finish off the episode. Yeah, so the final word of wisdom here is to, uh, it's coming from Exodus 18, second book of the Bible, 18 chapters in. And Moses is leading the Israelites, who uh, were a tough group to lead at this time, from what the text would say. And so Jethro, who is Moses' father-in-law, basically comes to him and says, listen, you need to divide the responsibility here. And essentially, like, you're going to burn yourself out. Like, you need to establish leaders, build up leaders to help you manage all these issues. So appoint people, you know, of integrity and people who are competent, and they can handle these lower-level concerns. And you'll, you know, the community will thrive as a result, and you individually will be healthier as a result. And so if I could be so bold as to maybe it's time for Mike Zimmer to divide and conquer a little bit in some of those responsibilities. Maybe it's time to think about handing off the play calling. Maybe it's time to think about elevating someone who can help with the game management more. Maybe it's because there are various areas of concern and things that need to be addressed. And so maybe we should learn here from Jethro and what Moses did and uh, divide and conquer style of leadership. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's, Obviously, you've got you got to have some guy at the top, but you also want to make sure that you're you're dividing up and and really getting people in with their their good skill set because there's no way that as as good of a coach as Zimmer is, there's no way that he's going to be able to be really good at everything. Exactly. And so that's a that's a good point. And yeah, good a good tie in there. So, as we want to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to stop by VikingsGazette.com for great Minnesota Vikings news, commentary, and analysis. The Vikings Gazette can be found on Twitter at Vikings Gazette. We hope you all have a great week and we will uh, check back in with you in two weeks time. Thanks so much.